0: Well, as you just saw in the video, and as Pastor Mark mentioned uh, in the prayer time, today is the day of Pentecost. It's the day that we commemorate what happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2. We celebrate this day as, a, as the church at large. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the real birth of the church. And I know we saw it in the video, but I want us to look at it again in the text. This event was recorded in Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4, look at it with me. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. When you hear us talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, or you hear us reference the day of Pentecost in church, this is what we're referring to. This is what we're talking about. It was a real event. It really happened back then, and it's still real for us today. That event still has real-time significance for us even now, and so I want to take a few minutes today, and I want to talk about what happened on that day of Pentecost, and why it was significant then, and why it matters for you and me today. And let's just take a moment one more time, and let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to speak to us through his word today. Father, God, we just thank you because your presence is already here. Lord, your Holy Spirit is already here. You're already working, and we say thank you for that, God. We give you praise and glory for that. Now, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. I pray, God, that something on the inside of us would receive it and come alive to it, God. Lord, that there would be a transformation, a change that would happen on the inside of us today that would cause us to never be the same again. And Lord, we give you praise and thanks for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. 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 Well, when we talk about the significance of that day, the day of Pentecost, and why it mattered then and why it matters now, I think we've got to start with the most basic thing, and that's the fact that Pentecost was a day. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost came. Pentecost was a day that occurred every single year on the Jewish calendar. But it wasn't just any day, it was a holiday. The day of Pentecost was one of seven Jewish feast days or holidays that they celebrated every year. And so when you read Acts chapter 2, you read that there were a ton of people in Jerusalem, people from all over the world, people from different parts of the world different nationalities people who spoke different languages and they were all gathered together in jerusalem at this time why were they here they were here to celebrate this jewish feast day called pentecost and pentecost uh, was a holiday that was celebrated every year but more than just a holiday it was also a holy day out of the seven jewish feast days that they would acknowledge our holidays three of those were known as holy days The holy days in the Jewish calendar are Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Trumpets, which is celebrated in the fall. Now, this is what you need to know about all of these Jewish holy days. Every single one of them, from their inception, paint a prophetic picture of the Messiah who was to come. Every single one of them are pointing to the Messiah and what he would accomplish when he came. They are types and shadows, foreshadowing, imagery, symbolism of what the Messiah would do. And I want you to know that Jesus has become the fulfillment of every single Jewish feast day, every holy day Jewish Jewish feast. Jesus has fulfilled it all. You can look at the Passover the first of the Jewish holy days. It goes back to the book of Exodus when the Jews were enslaved in the land of Egypt. And you probably remember the story. They had been there for 400 years and God said, enough is enough and it's time for my people to be free and go to the land that I promised Abraham I was going to settle them in. So he raised up a prophet named Moses and he sent him into Egypt to tell Pharaoh that it was time for the people of God to be free. And of course, Pharaoh refused so God unleashed ten plagues upon the land of Egypt. And these plagues were designed to soften the hard heart of Pharaoh and cause him to submit to the will of God and let the people go free. But you know the story. Each plague, the Bible says that Pharaoh, it caused him only to harden his heart further against God. So finally, God sent the tenth plague. It was, it was the angel of death. He sent the angel of death into the land of Egypt. And for one night only, death reigned over that land, and every home in Egypt felt the sting of death that night, every home except the home of the Israelites. You might be wondering, well, how how did every home have somebody die in it except for the homes of the Israelites? It was because they were obedient to what God told Moses to do. God told Moses, the angel of death is going to visit every home in the land. He's going to stop in every home except for the homes that have the blood of a lamb applied to the doorposts of the house. God said, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over that house. And so the Israelites, every single one of them, in every home, they killed a lamb and they took the blood of that lamb and they wiped the blood on the doorposts of their homes. And so when the angel passed over the land and he saw the blood on the doorposts of the Israelites, he passed over those houses. And every year since that first Passover the Jews would come together in Jerusalem again to celebrate and remember the grace and mercy of the Lord that they received that night in Egypt that ultimately caused them to be able to go free. They celebrate the night that when the angel of death came. The angel passed over them because of the blood applied. And you fast forward almost 2,000 years from that first Passover, and you read about John the Baptist in John chapter 1, verse 29, who saw Jesus walking, Along the muddy banks of the Jordan River. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What was he saying? Why did he call him the Lamb of God? He was pointing out the fact that there is your Passover lamb. There is the one who, when the blood is applied, the angel of death will pass over your life. There's the one that can take away your sin and shame. There's the one that can set you free. There's the one whose blood has power. He said this because Jesus was the fulfillment of the Passover. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, the Bible says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus died during the feast of Passover in Jerusalem. That's when he was hung on the cross. It was the Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples on the night before he died. That was his last supper. And when Jesus died on the cross, I want you to understand, he spilled his blood once and for all so that we don't have to continue to kill lambs and wipe that blood on our doorposts. We can just turn to Jesus. He spilled his blood so that everyone who comes to him and believes on his name can have their sins covered by his blood and they will not taste eternal death, but rather they will find eternal life in him. And I want you to know today that the blood applied still works. His blood still saves us from death. It still saves us from destruction. It still saves us from disease. His blood still makes us free. His blood still heals. His blood still redeems and restores. His blood still cleanses and washes us clean. There's still power in the blood of the Lamb and there's still a reason to make sure that the blood has been applied to the doorposts of your heart and to your home and to your family and to our community and to our nation. And the Jews would gather every year in Jerusalem according to the Old Testament law to celebrate the feast of Passover. The Passover was the first of the three holy days. And then 50 days after Passover, the Jews would gather again for the second holy day. It's the day that we're talking about today. It's the day of Pentecost. And that's, where, that's what the word Pentecost literally means in the Greek. The word Pentecost means 50. It happened 50 days after Passover had ended. And this feast day of Passover, it also dates back to the time of Moses and the law. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel... They would plant their crops at the beginning of Passover every year. And then every week for 50 days, they would go out and measure the crops to see their growth. And then at the end of the 50 days after Passover, they would pick the first fruits of their harvest out of the field, and they would take those first fruits of harvest, and they would bring them to the priest as an offering unto the Lord. The Bible tells us they would come to the priest waving Their grain in the air in worship as an offering to God. And when they would bring the first fruits of their harvest and give it to the Lord, it was always a risk for them. It was a risk because they were taking the first portion of their harvest and they were giving it away. They were taking it out of their hands and putting it into the hands of God. And the reason they were doing that is they were saying, we trust the Lord with our harvest more than we trust ourselves. We trust God with harvest more than we trust ourselves. So we're going to give him our first fruits. And by giving him our first fruits, by sacrificing our first fruits, we believe that God is going to supply the rest of the harvest all summer long we're going to give him our first fruits because we believe without god there won't be any harvest for the rest of the summer so they would take their first fruits out of the ground and bring it to the lord in worship and in thanksgiving thanks thanking him for faith thanking him in faith For the harvest that was going to come for the rest of their summer. Now I could take a few minutes and preach right here because the law of first fruits has never gone anywhere. I'm telling you, when you honor God with the first portion of your increase, you've got his word that the rest of it has his blessing on it. And harvest is going to find you. It's going to find your home. I've heard people say, I can't afford to tithe. I don't see how you can afford not to tithe. I don't understand that. When you give the first portion of increase to the Lord, he puts his blessing on. It this is what the word of God says, and then He gives it back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, He puts it right back into your lap. It's increase, it's not you're not giving anything up, you're gaining increase when you give your first fruits to the Lord. And that's what the feast day of Pentecost is all about. It's the first part of harvest. You give it to the Lord, believing God that the rest of the harvest is going to come in. And when this feast of Pentecost happened every year. See, it was a prophetic announcement of what was on the way, that there was a harvest coming. But it wasn't just a prophetic announcement of the harvest in that season. It was a prophetic announcement of the harvest of souls that the Lord was going to bring in after his death and resurrection. See, the scripture calls Jesus the Lord of the harvest. He's the fulfillment of Pentecost. And when we see the fulfillment of his work on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. We see the day that the church was birthed. And how was it birthed? It was birthed with harvest. It was birthed with 3,000 souls coming to faith in Jesus. And there's another feast day that I'm just going to mention real quickly. It's the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Pentecost signified the beginning of harvest. The Feast of Trumpets signified the end of harvest. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all of them. And let me show you how he's going to do it. At Passover he became the Passover lamb and died on the cross at the feast of, of Pentecost he, he enabled the church in his power to receive the harvest but there's going to come a day when the harvest time is going to be over and the last trumpet is going to sound and when that last trumpet sounds the Bible says the dead in Christ are going to rise in the air to meet him and we that are alive and remain will be called up together as well and forever we will be with the Lord he is the Lord of the harvest he's the Lord of the feast of trumpets as well that, that day is still yet to be fulfilled, but Jesus is going to fulfill it. Jesus is the fulfillment of Pentecost. And for 1,500 years, the Jews celebrated this feast day, thanking God in advance for the harvest that was coming in. But I want you to look back at Acts chapter 2, verse 1 with me. I want you to look at this scripture. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, your Bible, and the way I learned this verse, it might say, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And I want you to understand, that's how it says it in the Greek. Luke wrote it that way intentionally. He didn't just say come, he said fully come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, what's he talking about? Luke wants you to know, that for 1,500 years the Jews were celebrating this feast and looking forward to what was coming. And now that Jesus has been glorified, Pentecost has fully come. It has been fulfilled because Jesus has been glorified and he set the church up for the harvest that he's going to bring in. See, after Jesus rose from the dead, he spent some time with his disciples. And he was getting them ready for this moment that they were about to experience, the birth of the church, the the beginning Of what he was going to do in the church age on the day of Pentecost. And Luke tells us all about it in Acts 1 and 3. Look at it with me. It says, After his suffering, he, Jesus, presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Remember that Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover. So during that time, Jesus kept appearing to them. He appeared to them for 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I think there's a lot of people in church today that get, uh, they get weirded out by this whole Holy Spirit thing. They hear Holy Spirit and they, you know their, their defenses go up, or they hear the word Pentecost and they get a little scared, you know. I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal church where, you know, every Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, bless God. And it's second nature to me. But I would bring my friends to church and they'd be like, what is happening up in here? I'd be like, my God, that's Pentecost, hallelujah. But I want you to understand a couple of things. And let me just say this, people are weird, the Holy Spirit is not weird. Can I just say that? Holy Spirit's not weird. But I want you to understand a couple of things about the Holy Spirit real quick before we move on. First off, you need to know that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to you. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to you. That's what Jesus said. He, I, I'm going to pour out my Father, the promise, the gift of my Father. He wants you to have the gift of his Holy Spirit. Look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. He said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is God's gift to you, and it's a good gift. In the Gospel of John, Jesus was telling the disciples that he was going to have to go away. He was going to have to go up to heaven. And and, and they were sad about that. And he said, look, you don't need to mourn over that. You don't need to be sad about that because once I get there, the Father is going to send the comforter down to you. When I go up and I'm seated at the right hand of the Father, then then God the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit down to you and you'll know when he gets here because it's going to be good. And if you're not sure about this Holy Spirit thing today, you need to know that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to you and it is a good gift. God would never give you something that's not good for you. Secondly, you need to know that Jesus is the one who pours out the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Spirit baptizer. The Holy Spirit does not baptize you into himself. Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. If you look at Acts chapter 2 verses 32 and 33, it says uh, on the day of Pentecost, you know, wonderful, amazing things were happening and the, all the people gathered together in Jerusalem were witnessing this and, and uh, Peter's trying to explain what, what they're witnessing. He's trying to explain this to the people and and as he gets into it, this is what he says in verse 32. He's speaking of Jesus. He says, God has raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Then look at verse 33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from God the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. See, what Peter's saying is that Jesus from heaven is the one pouring out what you are witnessing with your own eyes. He's the one pouring out the Holy Spirit. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I want everything that Jesus wants for me. If Jesus is pouring something out, I want it. I'm I'm not the guy standing in the back saying, I'll just catch Jesus next time. No, I'm going to get up in the front of the line. I, I want what Jesus is pouring out, and that's what's so great about the Holy Spirit. Anybody who wants to receive him can. Anyone who wants to get drenched in an outpouring from heaven, you can. Anyone who wants to get baptized in the Holy Spirit still today, you still can because Jesus started pouring him out 2,000 years ago and he's never stopped. He is still pouring out the Holy Spirit. He is still the Spirit baptizer. And all you have to do to receive the Holy Spirit, all you have to do to receive what Jesus is pouring out on your life is ask for him and you'll be filled with him too. And when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, listen to me, your life will never be the same again. You might say, well, how will it be different? Jesus told us how it would be different in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. At its core and most basic New Testament meaning, Pentecost means power. It's power from heaven to change you so that you can change your world. And I want you to understand today that we need the Holy Spirit. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. We can't live the life God has called us to live in Christ Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We can't do what God is calling us to do in this moment and in this age without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the fuel that drives the church forward. The word for spirit in the Greek is pneuma. It means breath or wind. And it's the spirit, the wind that pushes us forward into God's plans and purposes for our lives and for the church. Without the spirit, we are stuck in our tracks. But when we get his wind in our sails, when we get that breath of God on the inside of us that makes dead things come to life, there's literally nothing we can't do in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, it's still not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that what we do here on Sundays at Life Chapel is by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we experience the presence of God, that is the Holy Spirit at work. When God moves in someone's life, when someone gets saved or gets healed or gets set free, that is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. He didn't just come on the day of Pentecost and then leave. He came to stay. He's here and he's still working. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in his power so that we can be changed and bring about a change in our world. I'm just trying to lay some groundwork before we get into what it really means for us today. But I want you to look at Acts chapter 2 verse 12. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that occurred on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that the people that had come to Jerusalem for the feast day they were they were amazed and perplexed is what the Bible says, and they asked one another, "What does this mean?" The people did not understand what they were witnessing. They had questions. Some of them even thought these guys are drunk. I love that part. They're like, these, are, these guys are drunk. And so Peter, they had questions, and here's how Peter answered their questions. In Acts chapter 2, verse 16, he says, what you're witnessing, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, what you are witnessing is the fulfillment of Scripture. You're, you're seeing Scripture unfold before your eyes. In verse 17, he quotes Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And then drop down to verse 21. Peter adds, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord spoken by Peter on that day of Pentecost is obvious and clear. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not limited to just a few. It is available to everyone. It's available to both men and women. It's available to both slave and free. It's available to the old men and the young men. It's available to anybody who wants it, anybody who wants to receive. This gift has been given to you. All you've got to do is open it up and receive it for yourself. Peter preached a message on that day with all those people gathered there that witnessed this miracle on the day of Pentecost. And he preached to them about Jesus. He preached about how Jesus was the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. He preached about all the miracles and signs and wonders that were performed by Jesus while he was here on the earth. He preached about how Jesus was arrested and tried and and hung on a cross to die. He preached about how he rose again on the third day and how he had ascended up into heaven before their very eyes. And then he called the people that were gathered there to respond to this message in faith. In Acts chapter 2 verse 38 saying, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. He says the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord God will call. I'm telling you the scripture is crystal clear on this. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was not reserved just for a few. It wasn't just for the disciples or just for the 120 that were gathered together in the upper room that day. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was for everybody. And it shows up time and time again all through the book of Acts. You see it happen again. You see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happen again. You see it throughout the New Testament. It wasn't even reserved just for the Jews. The Holy Spirit to the amazement Peter fell on the Gentiles too when they got together and started to worship Jesus the Holy Spirit began to pour out on them as well This outpouring that started on the day of Pentecost, listen, it has never ceased from being poured out. It has continued to happen. You can read church history and you can read about people receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's for men and women of God all over the world for all time. When they would get hungry for more of God and they would turn to Him, He would respond by pouring out the baptism in the Holy Spirit upon them. And according to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father. And that promise is for anyone who has believed on Jesus and repented from their sins and been forgiven. If they ask, Jesus said, I will baptize them in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is available to anybody who makes themselves available to receive Him. And now, listen to me, you need to know this. There is no limit to how deep you can go in God, there is no limit. There's no limit to how deep you can go. God will fill everyone who's hungry enough to call on his name. He will fill up anybody who's thirsty enough to take a drink. When you place your faith in God, you receive the promises of God spoken over your life The Bible says they are yes and amen to the glory of God the Father, and that includes the promise of the Holy Spirit. What he he is pouring out is quite literally, listen, a well that will never run dry. You will never get enough of Jesus. There is always something to keep going back and getting more. The day of Pentecost means power. It's power to change me so I can change my world. And I want to quickly highlight three areas of empowerment today. Three areas of empowerment we experience when we experience the Holy Spirit. And here's the first one. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live like Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live like Jesus. And the goal of every disciple, every Christ follower, should be to live our lives like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us and enables us to do that. Look what Jesus said in John fourteen twenty six. Jesus had spent the majority of John chapter 14 explaining to his disciples the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how he was going to help them accomplish their mission in life. This is what he says in verse 26. He says, But the Advocate, or Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. See, the Holy Spirit in us teaches us how to live like Jesus. And when I say live like Jesus, I mean a life pleasing to God. I mean a life like Jesus lived. I'm talking about living out the righteousness of God, living according to the word of God. And I want to be clear about this. If you have no desire within you to live like Jesus, then you can't really call yourself a follower of Jesus. Jesus himself said on that last day that many would come to that judgment seat of Christ and they would say, we knew you. We did this in your name, we did that in your name, and Jesus would say, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by the fruit it bears, and a true follower of Jesus will have a desire, not for perfection, but a desire, a longing, a drive to live their life like Jesus, to abstain from sin and live in righteousness, to live a life pleasing to the Lord, to live a life according to his word and not according to this world. The Holy Spirit in you is the power that makes that possible. The Holy Spirit reveals the mind of Christ for us. You will not know the will of God for your life unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. He shows us how to live following the example of Jesus. Jesus said he's going to remind you of everything I've told you. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what the Word of God says, what the Word of God teaches, and how we should live our lives. And this work of the Holy Spirit within us, he changes us to become more like Jesus. This is a process. I want you to understand this does not happen immediately. You don't just become like Jesus overnight, okay? It's a process, and it begins the day you get saved, and guess when it ends? It ends the day you go to heaven and you see Jesus face to face. The Bible says when you see him, you'll be changed to be like him in a moment. And so from the moment you get saved until the moment you see Jesus in heaven, the Holy Spirit is working on you, and he is gradually changing you and causing you to become more like Jesus. We call that process sanctification. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's driving that process forward. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, I want to show you something in the scripture here before we leave this point. Ephesians 5, 17 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. His will for you and me is to live like Jesus. There's no question about that. But then the scripture goes on in verse 18, and it says something very interesting. Look at it with me. He says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit now what's interesting about that to me is that you really can't get on two further ends of the spectrum than drunkenness and the spirit-filled life. Right? One is described as debauchery. It's 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 worldliness. It's 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 totally out there. It's a, it's a, symbol of, of what the world is into. There, there's confusion, there's frustration, there's, 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 there's just a mess that people make because of drunkenness. But then you get on the other end of the spectrum and, and, and Paul's talking about the spirit-filled life. And the reason that he's covering both ends of the spectrum is because he wants you to see the distinct differences between living, Like the world and living by the Spirit, they are not one and the same. And listen to me, they don't even closely resemble one another. The Holy Spirit empowers a lifestyle change in you. And when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life and leading you to live like Jesus, it will not look like the lifestyle of the world. When the Holy Spirit begins to work in you, watch You will begin to move from this end of the spectrum towards this end of the spectrum. Your life will begin to take a new trajectory. You won't be going this way anymore towards drunkenness and debauchery. You're going to start living your life according to the Word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are changed by the Spirit so that we can bring about a change in our world. You can't help people find their way out of darkness and into the light if your lifestyle resembles darkness as well. And now this is where religion has gotten in the way and confused a lot of people. Because religion lies to you and they say it's religion, it's religious practices. That calls a person to change to become more like Jesus. Listen to me. Religion and religion practices are powerless to change you the way that God wants you to be changed. You can't will yourself to be more like Jesus with more rules and regulations and more striving and more trying. You're just going to frustrate yourself to the point of wanting to give up. The change in lifestyle that God is calling you to is not empowered by religion. Listen to me. It's empowered by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When you get baptized in Him, He does the work so that you can live the life. All striving ceases in Him. All the trying goes out the window. All the white-knuckling it, I just got to do better goes out the way because there's a power at work on the inside of you that's doing all the heavy lifting and all you've got to do is just keep walking in step with the Holy Spirit and every day you walk with the Spirit is a day you find a little bit more freedom and a little bit more healing and become a little bit more like Jesus. He does the work in your life. He empowers you to live like Jesus. And verse 18, when we look at it in the Greek, it shows us something very interesting. Because the word filled there, where Paul says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, in the Greek, that word means to be filled and filled and filled and filled and filled and filled and filled filled again and again and again and again and again. What's Paul saying? The baptism in the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. It is an everyday thing. It's necessary for daily empowering. You can't live righteously in your own strength or power or wisdom. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I need that power in my life every single day to live above the world. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, be filled and be filled and be filled and be filled again and again and again. Wake up every morning and take you another drink of the Holy Spirit. Don't take a drink that makes you drunk. Take a drink of the Holy Spirit that fills you up with all the the goodness and righteousness of God. The struggle is real. The struggle against the sin nature is real. It really is. But so is the power that I have on the inside of me to live above it. And it's not self-determination. It's not more self-determination, self-will that I need. It's more spirit and filling. That's how we overcome the world. And some of you listen to me. I'm just telling you what you need. In your life, the thing that's been missing for you to finally leave your past in the past and come into what God has for you is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You need to experience God in this way. He will set your life on fire and you will never be the same again. We're talking about what Pentecost means to me. It means power. It means power to change me so that I can change my world. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live like Jesus. Here's another one. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. You know, this life that we're living in Christ is designed to be anything but normal. This life in Christ is designed to be supernatural. It's a, and I'm just telling you what the Bible says. It's a life of faith and not sight. It's a life of miracles and God-sized dreams coming to pass, and there's no explanation for what God did. It's a life of answered prayers over and over and over again. The Holy Spirit enables me to live the life that God has called me to live in Christ Jesus because the Holy Spirit enables me to live a life that is supernatural, to experience the things of heaven on the earth. The Holy Spirit enables me to receive and possess what God wants for me to have. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That power that Paul is referencing here in Ephesians 3:20 is the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand something. When he begins to work in your life, he gives you abilities that go beyond your natural talents. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom. Listen, he gives you wisdom beyond your natural wisdom. He gives you you knowledge and understanding and revelation beyond what you could accumulate through years of study and experience. The Holy Spirit leads you and guides your life when you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go. The Holy Spirit will show you. The Holy Spirit will show you because he empowers me to live my life supernaturally. And this may come as a surprise to you, considering he was the Son of God. But the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to live supernaturally too. You read about it in the Gospels. Jesus didn't perform one miracle or recruit one disciple until after the Holy Spirit had descended on him from heaven in the form of a dove at his baptism. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible makes it very clear. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. That's not a different Holy Spirit that Jesus was anointed with. It's the same one. The same one that anointed Jesus is the same one that will anoint you and me. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit in power, and then he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I need him today? And look what Jesus said in John 14. Again, as he was describing to his disciples the ministry of the Holy Spirit that would impact their own lives. This is what he said in verse 12. He said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. What he's saying is, as I go to the Father, the Holy Spirit is going to come down and he's going to empower you to do greater things than what you've even seen me do. The Holy Spirit is the source of the greater things Jesus was talking about. He's the source of the power that causes us to see and experience things beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. The Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us to live supernaturally in a natural world. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you receive the power that releases the atmosphere of heaven upon the earth. We see it in the account of what happened on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. There was a sound from heaven. It was the sound of a mighty rushing wind that's supernatural. There was fire falling from heaven in the form of tongues of fire that the Bible says came and came to rest on each of them. That's supernatural. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Listen, languages that they did not know how to speak, in a moment they were speaking them, that's supernatural. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and when they were, supernatural things began to happen in and through them. And it will be the same for you and me as well. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, supernatural things will begin to happen in our natural world. One of the things that we see occur throughout the New Testament is that when people are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts begin to show up in their lives. Spiritual gifts are different from natural gifts and abilities. Spiritual gifts are not the same thing as your personal talents, which come naturally to you or are acquired through natural means like education or hard work. Spiritual gifts are supernatural enablings that only come from the Holy Spirit. And they are only acquired through faith in God. And the Bible highlights what these spiritual gifts are throughout the New Testament. One of the places where we see a lot of the gifts mentioned is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. I want to read these for you so you understand what I'm talking about. In verse 7, the Bible says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit. That word manifestation means a supernatural occurrence. to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits or discernment, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now I want you to see this. Every gift mentioned here, Paul is sure to remind us that these gifts are given only through the Holy Spirit. And so while the gifts are various and diverse, they all come from the same spirit who is one in the same. There's not a different spirit for the different gifts. There's one spirit who gives all the gifts out. He adds a few more spiritual gifts and callings in verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. In other words, each one of you, God's got a gift stored up in heaven. A supernatural enabling and a manifestation that he's wanting to pour out on you. That's what God's will is for you. Verse 28, God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles and prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, workers of miracles, then gifts of healing, of helps, of guidance. And of different kinds of tongues. When we receive the Holy Spirit by faith, He empowers us to live supernaturally by releasing supernatural gifts into our lives. Those are meant to be lived out to make a difference for others. And the goal of the Holy Spirit in distributing these gifts to everybody in the body is so that the body of Christ may be fully built up and that every need can be met through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the church. Paul credited the Holy Spirit with the giftings in his own life and ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. In other words, they didn't come from something I could create on my own. He said "But they came, they were from a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on me but on God's power. He wanted them to know my preaching to you was not built on anything I could build for myself. It was built on the supernatural power and outflow of the Spirit of God from within me. And this is God's will for every one of us, church, as the people of God living in a world that is far from Him, He wants us to be people who are not afraid to live supernatural lives. He wants us to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, not afraid to discover our spiritual gifts and help others come to faith in Christ. This is how the world will see and know the reality of the God in heaven. They will see and know He's real because they will see His supernatural power here on the earth. It's the same thing they saw while Jesus was walking around on the dusty streets of Jerusalem. They will see miracles, signs, and wonders. A demonstration of the Spirit's power that exalts Jesus and ministers to people at their point of need. When you experience Pentecost for yourself and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be changed into a different person. Because you'll begin to live supernaturally. You're changed so that you can bring change into the world. We're talking about three areas of empowerment we experience when we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he causes us to become like Jesus. Number two, the Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. And here's the third one. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live my life on mission. Listen, the Holy Spirit does not fill me for my personal enjoyment. Although the Spirit-filled life is very enjoyable... It is, and it's very fulfilling. That's not his primary purpose. His primary purpose in filling me is so that I can make a difference in my world, to live my life on mission, to live my life for the mission of Jesus. He transforms me so that others can experience transformation as well. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, listen, the pinnacle of that event was not the speaking in tongues. The pinnacle of that event was the 3,000 that responded to Peter's message and were saved. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. It is so that we can accomplish God's mission on the earth. And God's mission has never changed. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to pull people out of the fire of hell and bring them into the fire of the Holy Spirit so that they can be purified and consumed with all that God has for them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. Paul writes, he says, for we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. How different would life be for the people that you're doing life with if you began coming to them, not just with words, but also with power? How different would it be if you came to them in the power of the Holy Spirit? With deep conviction, a deep belief in what God can do, a deep belief in prayer, a deep belief in what faith can do, that's the life you were made for. The life you were created for is a life that's made to intersect with others, full of the power of the Holy Spirit so that Christ can be revealed. That happens when you get filled up with the Holy Spirit, and you discover the gifts that He's given you, and then you're deployed into the mission field in the mission of Christ Jesus. I want the band to come up and begin to play softly. We're going to close in just a moment, but before we do, I just want to share my personal testimony with you because what I'm preaching to you today, I have experienced. And I'll never forget the night that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was 14 years old and we were in revival at church. And again, I grew up in a church. We talked about the Holy Spirit a lot. We had revivals a lot, stuff like that, and I was on the fence about this thing, you know what I mean? I'm at church with my friends, and, you know, you're not sure, like, if, like, this is for you, and, and, and I remember, you know, the evangelist preached about the Holy Spirit, and he said, you know, if anybody wants to experience this, you know, just uh, just begin to throw up your hands and worship God, and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to move, and I'm kind of looking around, and I'm not sure I want this or not, you know, and some of my friends began to, to, to worship God, and I saw God begin to move in their life, and. I was still just unsure, and then some of the youth group members, they actually gathered around me and began to lay hands on me and pray over me, and I felt the power of God come on my life like I'd never really felt at that time before, and as I'm standing there praying and worshiping God, and they got their hands on me, and they're praying over me, the evangelist made his way over to where I was, and he put his hands on me, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit in faith, and I threw up my hands, and my language changed in a moment. And that miraculous power of God that I read about in Acts chapter 2, it came on me. It's a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, I want to tell you what I experienced. I experienced an undeniable change in my life. I began to live for Jesus and became more like Jesus, and people noticed the change in me. It was impossible to hide. And here's the thing about that change. I was considered a good kid, all right? I grew up in church. I, I did everything that I could. You know, I was, I was obedient to my parents, all of that. I was saved, no question about that, involved in church. But this is what happened after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It went from I have to to I want to. It wasn't I have to go to church anymore. It was I can't wait to go to church, <laughs> My football coaches could not understand it. They were perplexed by this. They said, what what other player on our team would rather go to Wednesday night church than play football? Me. I went from I have to do this to I get to do this. And my relationship with God turned into my greatest passion and desire. And I began to pursue Jesus and everything that he had for me above everything else. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a definite change in the trajectory of my life. Also, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to live supernaturally. The first gift I experienced was speaking in tongues. The night that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I would just be in church and I would be praising God and all of a sudden I would feel the Holy Spirit come on me and it, it would suddenly be tongues coming out of my mouth. I would be in my prayer room and at, at the house or at the church and, and, and just praying and all of a sudden I would just begin to pray in tongues as the Spirit gave me the utterance. and It was just like what happened on the day of Pentecost. This was the first of many spiritual gifts that God began to develop in me, and I don't have time to share with you today all of the testimonies and the supernatural things that have happened in my life since that day. But I want you to know, time and time again, God has demonstrated His supernatural power in my life. There have been dreams and visions, just like the Scripture said there would be. There have been words of knowledge and revelation that came from the Lord. There's no way I would know this, but I heard it come out of my mouth, and it was a word that somebody needed to hear. Honestly, that happens every single Sunday. I hear you say, that message was for me. Well, give glory to God because that has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. There have been healings and miracles and answers to prayer, more than I can count. The supernatural power of the Spirit of God has marked my life since that day as a 14-year-old kid. After I was filled with the Holy Spirit, God called me to preach. I'll never forget that day either. When I heard Him call my name, I heard Him say, Brian, I love you. And I want to use you to advance my kingdom. And since that day that God called me, everything that he's asked me to do, suddenly the tools to do it have been in my hands. They've just been there. I had a desire to play the piano. I, I didn't know how to play piano. And I told God, Lord, if you'll give me the gift, if you'll give me the ability to play piano, I promise you I'll play for you for the rest of my life. And I woke up one morning and I went downstairs to the piano and I sat down and I started to play worship. And I don't even know how that happened. Except for God said, okay, you're living a supernatural life now. So here you go. <laughs> it's been, it's been saying like that. He called me to preach and suddenly I had the the ability to do it. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. That's what he wants to do for you. He wants to set you ablaze with supernatural power that doesn't even make sense to anybody else. But God, anoints your life to be on mission for him. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I began to live my life on mission immediately. I started to minister to my friends at school, leading them to Jesus. It happened at the lunch table. It happened in the locker room. It happened on the basketball court. It happened in the hallways after classes. It happened at FCA meetings. It happened at football games. God would open the door and I would step into that moment with the good news of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, since that day, my life has never stopped being about the mission of Jesus. I quit living for me a long time ago My life is his. And let me tell you something. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because he has been so, so good to me. And let me just be clear with you. God's desire for you, his desire for every single believer in Jesus is that you experience this life too. That you experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you experience this blessing for yourself, your gifts and callings will begin to bubble up from the inside of you. They won't look the same as mine. Your gifts and callings will be very different than my gifts and callings, but it will be the same Holy Spirit working on the inside of you that's working on the inside of me that was working on the inside of the Apostle Paul that was working on the inside of Peter when his shadow passed by somebody and they were healed. Same Holy Spirit that was working on the inside of Jesus when he could touch the leper and make them whole. It's the same Holy Spirit God wants to anoint your life with power. And when you get filled up with the Holy Spirit, I'm just telling you the trajectory of your life completely changes. Everything is different. You begin to live your life on mission to make a difference for others. He'll set you ablaze and you'll never be the same again. Come on, stand with me all around the room right now. God, we bless you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord glorify your name, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this moment. We thank you for the power of your word, God. We thank you for revealing Christ, Jesus. Holy Spirit, move and have your way today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the band's gonna lead us in this song. And as they do, if you want more of God, I just want to encourage you just to begin to lift your hands and worship him and praise him. And I believe the Holy Spirit's just gonna begin moving all around this room. If you want to experience the power of God today, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, just lift your hands and begin to worship him. Come on, band, lead us.